This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Robert Pearl, a physician and professor at the Stanford Medical and Business School, as well as author of two books, including most recently the book titled On Caring, How the Culture of Medicine Kills Doctors and Patients. Dr. Pearl is also the former longtime CEO of the Permanente Medical Group. Dr. Pearl, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about, and we're specifically going to talk a lot about AI and medicine and healthcare, as well as chat GTP. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? I've had three careers. As you said, I'm a physician. I went to medical school at Yale, did my residency at Stanford, and my focus of my clinical practice has been on cleft lip and cleft palate, children with various birth defects. And then, as you noted, I became the CEO uh, in Kaiser Permanente. I was responsible for 10 million patients and over 12,000 physicians and 50,000 staff on the East and West Coast. And now in my third career, I teach at Stanford Medical School and Business School. I uh, write articles for various publications. I have a weekly podcast called Fixing Healthcare. And I have the opportunity to keynote and speak to others along the way. As a clinical uh, physician, I took care of maybe 10,000 patients that I knew intimately well and knew their families. Became CEO, I was responsible, as we said, for about 10 million people. And now I'm hoping to change the healthcare for all 330 million Americans. That's amazing. And definitely a huge goal. 330 million Americans is a lot of people to affect. But of course, there's so much change that, you know, it needs to happen in order for healthcare to work for everybody um, and be able to deliver care to people who really need it most. So that's fantastic to hear. We're excited to have you at our event coming up here in October as well. Thank you so much. Yes, you're absolutely right. You know, the system of medicine is broken. It most closely resembles a 19th century cottage industry. It's fragmented with physicians and hospitals scattered across community, it's paid on the piecemeal basis that we call fee-for-service. The more you do, the more you get paid, whether it does any good or not, that doesn't really change the economics at all. And the technology is left over from the last century, although the most common way that doctors communicate today is with the fax machine, an 1834 invention. And there's really not any structure to provide the care. And so it should not come as a surprise to listeners that the United States spends nearly twice as much as any other country, and our results, according to the Commonwealth Fund, lag the other 12 most industrialized nations. I'm hoping that ChatGPT will be a major tool to allowing the United States to move forward, improving quality, increasing access, lowering costs, and improving satisfaction both for patients and doctors. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point and definitely amazing to see what ChatGPT is already doing and other AI technologies as well. How do you see ChatGPT improving healthcare? What is really behind that and how do you see it playing out? Well, the first thing I believe that listeners need to understand is that ChatGPT 3, what was first released, 4 is now out, but 3 that was released, I like to think of it almost as a toy. It's something to play with. It's really not what's going to change healthcare. But what people have to also understand is how fast technology evolves. Moore's Law says that every two years it doubles in power. That means that 10 years from now, it's going to be 32 times more powerful than what exists today. And by 20 years from now, a thousand times more powerful. So no one listening in should think that we're talking about 
ChatGPT3, although that alone has added significant value. I know quite a number of physicians who use it to get a differential diagnosis for a patient's problem to make sure they're not missing something, who use it to be able to figure out what's the most likely diagnosis in a particular patient, someone who's 50 years old with diabetes and a family history of heart disease, and ChatGPT, the current versions, will allow you to accomplish that. But what people should realize is what is going to come up, whether it's one or two or even three more generations. That's only five years. I mean, think about this. We have, in fact, today's match day. We're recording this on a Friday. And match day is when people start their residency. They're not going to finish for five or six or seven years. And by that time, ChatGPT is going to be so much more powerful than anything today. So if we look forward, the first thing about it is how much information it has. People outside of medicine may not realize that medical knowledge doubles every 73 days. That means every two and a half months, as much information as available now gets augmented and replaced with an equivalent amount of information. If you trained in medical school five years ago or residency five years ago, you've now had a massive amount of information that you have to incorporate into your practice. That GPT will be able to do that extremely well. You also have the fact that it's going to empower patients. I mean, think about it this way. The most common reason for people needing medical care in the United States today and the most common etiology for things like heart attacks and strokes and cancer are chronic diseases. These are problems that patients have every single day. And how do we take care of them in the current medical system? We see people every three to four months. ChatGPT can be there in the patient's home, evaluating data off of monitors, home monitors, evaluating data off of glucometers and blood pressure cuffs and scales, all the tools that we need. It can augment the hospital at home as an opportunity. Uh, ChatGPT can accomplish patient safety. The way a generative AI technology works is it takes the information that exists, it applies it to a particular patient problem, and then it predicts what the next step should be. For patients in a hospital and having a central line inserted, or patients sitting in the hospital and needs to have a particular set of treatment provided, ChatGPT is going to allow that individual to be able to get the safest care possible, to make sure that people doing the services, the doctors in the hospitals, are following the best evidence base. And we know we can lower things like hospital-acquired pneumonia and hospital-acquired bed sores and medication errors that are there. They're going to help physicians be able to match the performance of the best because it will continually be taking information, not the version of today, but even ChatGPT4 has this ability to have interaction and to take visual clues inside to it. As the technology evolves and gets connected to devices, it's going to learn far faster than doctors. And rather than having the totality of the experience being the number of patients you can see in a day, it can obtain information from a thousands of individuals and be able to figure out 
the best way to provide care based upon the clinical outcomes that occur. These are just a few of the ideas that are going to be here in a relatively short amount of time. Fantastic. I mean, I think that just sounds so amazing. Like you mentioned, the potential for ChatGPT and other AI technologies to really make a difference for patients as well as clinicians. And from your perspective, when you think especially about uh, treating patients with chronic diseases, I know you mentioned a little bit about how AI can be used to boost that um, treatment there, but you know, where do you see most of the benefit lying? Is it primarily with being able to more effectively treat patients or prevent burnout with clinicians because they're augmented to, to do more of the patient care things that they love? And, and really, are there any other ways that you see it especially making a difference for chronic care? It's really going to be all of those things. And that's what listeners need to understand. You know, all the solutions to date whether they are AI-based or algorithmic-based, are very narrow around a particular problem. This is a tool. It's like saying, what can a telephone do? What can a smartphone do? Well, the answer is it can do hundreds and thousands of different things. One thing it can do, of course, is the traditional. You can talk on a phone and be able to connect with someone else. But you also can order clothes, you can order products, you can order food, and you also can use it to book airplanes and book vacations. You also can use it to get a date. I mean, it, it navigates your car. You start to think about all the ways that a telephone works. You can't regulate how people are going to use that. Same with ChatGPT. It's going to do all those things. If you're the patient, what do you want to know every day if you have chronic disease? How am I doing? Are there problems? Should I have a medication change? ChatGPT can take the clinical approach programmed, not programmed, but provided by your doctor because you don't actually have to program it. You actually will be able to enter it to understand it because it's language capable and then let each patient know how are my blood sugars? How is my hemoglobin A1C? How is my blood pressure correlating with what my doctor expected it to happen. Am I on track? Rather than getting care on a calendar basis, you can get care on a needs basis. It could be a week after you saw your physician. It might not be for six months because the technology allows the patient to become informed, to take more accountability. It can augment lifestyle issues with exercise, with diet, uh, with relaxation. It can provide excellent medical information. It can allow physicians to craft tools for patients in the culture and in the language they most desire it. I see it as a tremendous empowering for the individual patient, but it also will augment physician practices. It will allow physicians to not only be able to expand their knowledge and make sure something's not missing, missing, to get information on, let's say, an obscure problem on a case report they may not have seen, and to be able to communicate with their patients in a way that should exist today but doesn't because it's so time intensive for a doctor or a member of the staff of a physician's office to do it. ChatGPT can accomplish that relatively easily. I think it has the potential to elevate American medicine if we lead the way so that our nation 
rather than lagging in life expectancy, rather than lagging in childhood mortality and in maternal mortality. In fact, the newest data, as you know, shows that we're five times worse than most of the other industrialized nations. It can allow the United States to lead the world. That would be an amazing feat and absolutely something that I know many across the country are striving for and really wanting to reach that type of uh, pinnacle in terms of what's possible. Now, when you mentioned clinicians, I, I would love to hear from your perspective how physicians especially can use predictive technologies in clinical decision making. Now, you've touched on it a little bit, but would love to hear any other examples and ways that it's being used today as well as the potential for the future. Certainly. the Today, as I say, it's being used I would say maybe similar to how a attending physician works with a resident, which is that the attending physician is going to be reviewing everything. But that's not to say that the resident may not have a great idea, may not be able to find some information that the attending doctor didn't locate or didn't take the time to do so because they were too busy. And in that way, it can augment the current skills. But I think it's more important to see what it's going to do across time. For instance, you take a very busy primary care practice. You have 2,500 patients that you're responsible for. How do you keep track of all of them? How do you figure out who needs care when? How do you communicate with all of them? This is the kind of technology that could happen very quickly and very easily. And as you say, we'd have the opportunity to eliminate or at least dramatically reduce many of the factors that are causing burnout in physicians today. But I think it's going to go beyond that. And one of the areas that's most interested me lately has been the advent of the retail giants, the Amazon, CVS, uh, Walmart, into the healthcare space. And what I see is that these companies are finding ways to be able to take over all of the pieces of American healthcare. They have pharmacies, they have delivery systems, they have insurance capability. And as you well know, many of this has happened, much of this has happened over the past six months. So as in ChatGPT, we're seeing this acceleration. And what I see in the future is that we can make healthcare become precision driven. We can connect all of these parts using this generative AI technology to ask ourselves every day, are we doing the best that we can to maximize the health of patients? Not just respond to diseases when they have come up, not just respond to complications from chronic disease when they threaten the patient's life, but to be able to manage the patient, assist the patient, be at the side of the individual continually and to do so with less time by the physician, not more time, to be able to make sure that the care we're providing is matching the best that's possible to make sure we've considered all the possibilities that might be there. And I believe to be able to do so in a way that will be less costly, which as you well know, is the number one concern of patients today. 
That's amazing to hear. And absolutely bringing that cost out of the equation is, is so important, as you mentioned, something we haven't talked a ton about, but really on the tip of everybody's tongue, especially considering the current financial situation for both patients as well as hospitals and health systems. So having those efficiencies in, in really being able to pass along those cost savings wherever possible um, seems like it'll be really, really an important aspect of all of this. Well, a major shift that I see that I believe will happen is going to be moving from fee-for-service decapitation. And I think that ChatGPT will be a approach to be able to do that and to simultaneously raise quality, improve access, and lower cost. And what I mean by that is if you think about it, the best way to reduce the cost of medicine is to avoid costly problems. If you can avoid a heart attack, that's the most efficient way to treat a cardiovascular problem. If you can prevent cancer or diagnose it early, that's the best way to take care of cancer. If you can avoid the complications of diabetes, whether it's kidneys shutting down, peripheral vascular disease, blindness, those are all far better for the patient and dramatically less expensive. Now, the question becomes, how do you accomplish that? And right now, I think doctors and hospitals don't have the tools to be able to do that. It's just too time intensive and too expensive to do so. Again, I keep seeing ChatGPT as being the opportunity to accomplish that. And I personally believe that once healthcare is capitated, we're going to see a tremendous improvement in every aspect. We're going to see people being healthier. We're going to see quality rise because the best way to take care of a problem is do it right the first time. The best opportunity to save money is to avoid a complication of the treatment. We're going to see burnout fall because you can eliminate prior authorization. One of the things that frustrates doctors and hospitals, because when it's capitated, by that I mean at the delivery system level, where groups of physicians and hospitals are paid a set fee to take care of a population now you have the opportunity to entrust them to provide whatever care they want because now they have the economic accountability. To date, uh, providers have not wanted to do this because they've been afraid, appropriately afraid, because taking that kind of risk with the dollars we're talking about, that's very scary. But I think that once we have a technology in place that can allow them to be able to be successful with a high probability of being able to reduce these preventable medical issues. We don't think about them that way. We think about a heart attack as the start of the event. We don't understand that there were many things that we could have done along the way to diminish the probability of doing so. For any given patient, you can't say whether it would work or not. But if you take care of a population, 100 patients at risk, and you can apply tools like ChatGPT to make sure that every day they're doing the things they need to do, taking the medication they need to take, getting the exercise, advancing the diet, 20, 30 of them are not going to have that heart attack that otherwise would have required a tremendous expense, higher quality, better service, lower cost, greater satisfaction. That's where I think our healthcare system needs to go. And I see ChatGPT as being a tool to help both doctors and patients get there. 
Got it. That makes a lot of sense. You know, it is really just such a, a an interesting way to apply that technology that really makes a difference and, and can be fantastic for outcomes as well as improving the health of communities. Now, I know we've talked a lot about some of the great possibilities with chat GTP and AI. Could you also speak to some of the issues clinicians should consider, especially talking through the ethics, privacy, and more of incorporating AI into their practices? Without question, when we deal with information technology, issues around ethics, privacy are important. And I'll add a third one to your list, which are the intrinsic biases in healthcare that we know about that lead to poor clinical outcomes. And I actually might even add a fourth one, which is the social determinants of health. So let's look at each of these to some extent, although we don't have the time to look at them in the detail they need to be examined. When it comes to privacy, every time we take patient information and we put it all in a given location, whether it's into a computer, whether it's on in the cloud, whether it's sitting in a AI um, tool, an application, there's a lot of risk. In general, the risk actually is human risk, which is that someone leaves the computer open, someone opens a attachment that they shouldn't have, and now all of a sudden people can access that. These are criminal behaviors, but that's what occurs. And so I think it's a risk that exists, but it exists today and I don't believe you can take care of patients without that information. That part of the reason why the United States is lagging other countries is that we don't have the information technology systems that allow a clinician to know some simple things, such as whether the patient has gotten the preventive testing and screening they need, how their chronic disease are being managed. This is information that should be available in a comprehensive electronic health record. It's what allowed Kaiser Permanente when I was the CEO in the organization to be able to be number one in the nation according to the NCQA, and yet that's not what's typically available in most communities in the United States. The ethics is even trickier. Where is the line between human and machine? But I'll also say that I think the ethics, again, exist today. We know that there's tremendous variation in clinical outcomes. We know that people don't necessarily follow evidence-based guidelines. We know that there's 200,000 people who die in, uh, from a, a, a preventable medical error. In my first book, Mistreated, why we think we're getting good healthcare are usually wrong. By the way, all profits from my books go to Doctors Without Borders, a remarkable global charity. But in that book, I talk about my father who died from a preventable medical error and how it would have been saved if the information was located in a given place. So I guess what I'm trying to say in this is that there is no way to completely guarantee the privacy and to completely be able to prevent a problem from happening. But the penalty of doing so, I think, is worse because you have the inability to provide the best quality that should be provided. The ethics are we have to be able to communicate to patients exactly what is being done by a human, what's being done by a machine. We have to today communicate what's being done by the doctor, what's being done by someone else in the staff. We don't necessarily do that as well as we should. I think there's ethics around the racial biases 
There's a lot of data that's out that says that black patients, as an example, receive 30% less pain medication after the same procedure on a faulty belief that they don't feel pain the same as white people. There's not a single shred of evidence that's true, but that's still sitting in the minds of individuals. What we know is that when it comes to complex devices and complex interventions, we don't offer that as early and as consistently to black individuals. AI can actually solve many of those problems. And why can it do that? Because it can say, you generally prescribe 10 milligrams of a drug. Why are you only prescribing five? Or you normally give the patient medication for pain to take home after this procedure. Why aren't you doing it in this patient's situation? And I'll go beyond that, which is that we know the social determinants of health have a three times greater impact on patient outcomes than simply the care provided by physicians and provided in hospitals. And yet we have not been able to do very much about that. And again, I, in none of this am I blaming the medical profession. I think that physicians and nurses are overwhelmed today with the amount of work they have to do. And even the idea of adding the smallest piece on top of that is too much to ask. But when technology can do that on their behalf without requiring that they take added time to do it, and in fact, by keeping patients healthier, can reduce the demand that they have and through a capitated system to be actually doing better financially when the patient is healthy and avoids disease, all those pieces coming together, I think, create a far better system. So when I put these factors together, my answer is these are major threats. They're going to be threats with or without ChatGPT. I think the opportunity to get so much more benefit from a generative AI technology will dramatically outweigh any of the negativity that exists compared to what happens presently. That makes a lot of sense, you know, and it's really encouraging and inspiring to hear. Thank you so much for going through that. Now, I know we just have a few minutes left here, so I would love to ask one final question. When looking ahead, what is your outlook for the future of AI and medicine? I can imagine, based on what we've talked through, it's primarily a positive and an excited outlook, but anything else we should think about and, and know as we're going to the future? One thing I am certain about is that at some point, and I'll say in the near future, but near future, I really talk about five to 10 years, no physician will be able to practice without it. A physician working with and using a generative AI technology, providing it for their patients, will outperform any and every physician who, for whatever reason, would choose not to do so. I believe that we need to recognize all of the cracks in the current healthcare system. We need to recognize how many patients don't get the preventive care that they need. We need to recognize how often the medical care we provide fails to add much value. We have to recognize the variation amongst clinicians and figure out how we can help everyone to match the performance of the best. We need to empower patients to take responsibility for their own health and to be able to work in a true partnership with the clinicians who provide the care to them. And what I see is that the 
generative AI technology will be the solution that allows that to happen at an incredibly minimal cost with a high reliability without a lot of time and that the net impact on the healthcare system will be significantly higher quality, far easier access, lower cost, significantly lower cost, and much greater satisfaction and diminution in burnout and frustration amongst both those providing the care and those receiving it. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Pearl, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a fantastic conversation, and I really look forward to connecting with you again soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the chance. I look forward to the next time.